Welcome to episode 266 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. In April 2020, it seemed like everyone and their mother announced they were hosting a virtual summit. I get it. In-person events were canceled or postponed, and entrepreneurs needed to find a way to provide value in a disrupted world. Most of these summits replicated the same format that was used by pre-pandemic virtual summits. Pre-record lots of interviews and then drip them out one to four a day over a week or longer. At that moment, we needed less content and more opportunities for connection, so this format wasn't that great, even though the quality of the content was pretty amazing. I was asked to speak at about a half dozen of these virtual summits, and since my topic was how to design engaging online experiences, I said yes with a caveat. There had to be a live component to the event because it's during those live Zoom sessions that participants can connect with each other. By late 2020, I felt pretty burned out on the whole idea of virtual summits, since aside from the design flaws inherent in this format, there are also many promotional requirements for speakers. In particular, there is an emphasis on promoting to receive affiliate commissions on VIP upgrades. Compared to the simplicity of agreeing to be on a podcast, virtual summits required a lot more of my time and put pressure on my email communication with my community. It started to feel like the only person benefiting from these events was the person hosting, who was building their email list, as I don't recall any significant business coming from speaking. In 2021, I decided to take a break from saying yes to virtual summits. This is why it's exceptional that I'm inviting you to attend one that I'm speaking at next month. It's called Legacy, the premier strategic business event, and it's happening February 1st through 3rd. You can learn all the details at www.brookman.ca forward slash Robbie. I'll spell that for you. That's Brookman, B-R-U-E-C-K-M-A-N-N dot C-A forward slash R-O-B-B-I-E. So you might be curious, what makes this different than other virtual summits? For one, the quality of the nearly 50 speakers. They are all experts in their field, including folks from Harvard, The money raised from VIP passes goes to charities, not the speakers or the host. There's an invitation, but not requirement, to opt in to the host's email list ongoing. There are live panels held daily for five days, including the day before and the day after the event. There's no requirement to do any promotion as a speaker. Now, none of this would be true if not for the host, Alex Brookman, who I instantly liked and trusted. And so that you can get to know him and trust him too, I interviewed him on this show in episode 263. So your challenge this week. This event, Legacy, is aimed at entrepreneurs who want to make a lasting impact far beyond their years on this earth. It's the kind of event that's designed to not only inspire you, but to give you exactly what you need to take the next step toward building your own legacy. From business growth designed to help you lead the life you want to lead, to understanding how to give back and do more for the world around you. 
This event's purpose is to create ripple effects that spread worldwide and build positive change of all sizes and at all levels. Curious about what you'll discover on this no charge three-day event? Here's a small sample of the nearly 50 event sessions. Humanity as stakeholders, the future of leadership. Fast-growing brand, how to rapidly build your brand from scratch and get to success. Switch perspective, how to find clarity in your business for greater returns and the life you want to live. Of course, mine, which is small lists, big results, how to launch a successful offer, even if you don't have a big email list, and dozens of others. Again, here's a registration link. Remember, there's no fee to pay. It's www.brookman.ca forward slash Robbie, B-R-U-E-C-K-M-A-N-N dot C-A forward slash R-O-B-B-I-E. Now, if you just do decide to upgrade to the VIP package, your money is going to go to environmental and childhood cancer charities, which is pretty cool. So reach out and let me know if you signed up. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur that has started over 30 business ventures. While most didn't work out, he did find his passion as a mobile notary and loan signing agent. He finds the work fulfilling because as a notary, he's with people on their best days or most difficult days. He believes it takes someone special to tap into empathy and compassion while striving to build a business that has the power to change lives. He learned the hard way that knowledge without consistent implementation is practically worthless. That's why he became a notary coach, teaching others how to start and grow their own successful notary businesses. He is the CEO of notarycoach.com, an author of two bestsellers, Sign and Thrive, How to Make Six Figures as a Mobile Notary and Loan Signing Agent, and Supercharge Your Notary Business with LinkedIn. He's also the host of the Side Hustle Lounge podcast. Please join me in welcoming Bill Soroka. Hey, Robbie. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Bill, thanks for joining us from your place in Phoenix, Arizona. You and I have known each other now in various capacities. It's fun to have you on the show. As you know, the show is about building strong networks and the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Excellent question. So I think, I think leadership can be defined in so many different ways. Uh, but for me, I think uh, leadership starts with self. So true personal leadership comes down to taking 100% responsibility for results and then uh, aligning, alignment with your thoughts, words, and behaviors. So it kind of boils down to integrity. When all those things are aligned, uh, I feel in integrity with myself. I have confidence because I know that I can count on my word. So it expands my horizons. I can talk to other people. I can share other ideas. And that leads kind of to your second part of your question is that's when without maybe a conscious decision, I started leading other people because I did what I said I would do. Uh, those, uh, the, the words match the actions, the actions match the thoughts. It just created the cycle. I love this leadership starts with self. Um, and that last comment you just made makes me think about um, what I've said, if you want people to like you, agree to things that you want to do and do them quickly. <laughs> like if you, you know, think about committee work or, you know, volunteer work, like 
if you agree only to things you really want to do and then you do them quickly without anyone having to follow up with you, like they're going to love you. You're going to look like a hero. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Simply for doing the like what seems like the basics. But it's that leadership of self that like you've committed. You want to live in your full integrity. Um, you, You want your actions to align. And then that leads others wanting to like that. That actually increases your influence in a lot of ways because others think, wow, here's someone who's really doing this. And and we want to be more like that. So I love this example. And I particularly love it because you and I both know we're, we're surrounded by a lot of sort of the solopreneur um, independent, you know, business owner, service provider type people. And they often, they think like, well, I, you know, I don't have a team. I don't have 50 people reporting to me. How, how, how am I a leader? And of course they have such like influence on their network, um, on their community and like, of course themselves. So I really like how your question kind of takes what we see as this is like big thing and like makes it possible for any individual to uh, experience it for themselves. I'm curious about your own experience with this because I imagine you didn't, you know, this is not language you had your whole life. So when you, Take us back to some earlier times when you feel like you really started showing up uh, in this way. Like when did that? When did this start to really emerge? This leadership quality. Yeah, um, excellent question. I think I can answer it by best saying uh, the trap I fell into uh, when I was younger is I I fell in love with what I thought entrepreneurialism was. You know, and that was not all the work that went on behind the scenes, right? It was the flashy, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I love telling people that. It always sparked this envy in people. And I was always starting a new business. I always had a new shiny object to talk about. Uh, but I didn't have that alignment. Nothing added up. The words uh, came out, but I wasn't doing the behaviors that create a successful business. I didn't have the thought patterns uh, to even create that, those, um, the activities that it takes to succeed. And that all showed up for me, you know, not too long ago, I guess time's flying by right now. So it was probably uh, close to 10 years, but, um, it all came to a head because it's all fake, right? So my entire world collapsed because I wasn't doing behind the scenes, the things I needed to do to succeed. So businesses tanked, relationships tanked. I was like spinning plates out here. Nothing was going to work because I wasn't, I, I didn't have the tools in place. So when all of that collapsed, you know, I, I had the wherewithal to sit down and take a results inventory of my life. And I said, look, you're a smart guy. People like you, you can get stuff done. You've got these great ideas. Look at all these other people who can succeed. What's the difference? Why is it working for them and not for you? And what I realized, what it really boiled down to is I wasn't taking responsibility. I always had a, I chose the wrong business partner. Oh, the, the timing in the economy wasn't right. Or uh, this process didn't work. I didn't have enough money to make this work. So I kept skirting the responsibility. And when it came down to it, I was the common denominator through, at that point, it was 26 failed businesses. There's no getting around that, Right. You can blame as many business partners as you want, any economic concerns, but when you got 26 businesses and you're the the last man standing there, you know, the buck stopped there. I had to take 100% responsibility for those results. And that was extremely freeing at the time, which I didn't expect. It was was depressing, but it was the most 
liberty I've ever felt in my life. I have control of these results. I don't need a business partner to succeed. I don't need good economic conditions to succeed. In fact, a lot of businesses uh, were born in disruption, you know, um, big businesses. So I started digging even deeper, getting into what makes people success. And I love Tony Robbins' quote is that success leaves clues. And it certainly does. There's a whole trail of little candies along the way to show you what to do. And it's turned out to be everything that I resisted. I thought habits and routines were for boring people. Turns out they're for successful people. So I went all in. I bought in on it and uh, started studying. I went down a rabbit hole that way. And Such a difficult moment, though. I mean, um, it's also interesting that you lived through 26 failed businesses before you had that moment, right? Like, it just shows you how we can put such blinders up. Um, we as human beings, not you, not I, but we as human beings, um, can can very skillfully, very artfully skirt the responsibility um, because it's very easy to to look outside ourselves for why things aren't working and and to find what feel like very legitimate causes, right? Like the okay. business partner, the the economy, the time, right? All that stuff can feel, but it's it's at the same time not the full story, and we are. You know, it's sort of the, like, wherever you go, there you are, right? Like, yeah, like exactly. you, you're in, you're in all this implicated in all of this in some way. I had an interesting moment. You're making me think of this. I've never shared this on the show, but about, um, about two years into, um, my, this big role I had as a special events manager, I was, I was, I remember like, I was overwhelmed by the number of details I had in my head. And prior to that, I could run two events at a time, keep them on my head, but this was like 25 events a year. And I just didn't have a good system. And I, at the end of two years, it was like becoming like very, very clear that I was not keeping all the balls. And oh, I love the, I really love the analogy actually about plates because you have to like know how much attention, like to put, I think juggling would be easier than plates because um, yeah, you know it's one it's one activity over and over again. You concentrate, but plates you got to like figure out which one needs attention, which one you let go of, and you don't. So I definitely had a friend sit down with me, and I made a list on a legal pad of all the things that I was responsible for. And I just kept flipping the next page and flipping the next page. And it was both overwhelming and the beginning of me taking ownership, right? Like you said, it was, I needed that moment to realize, wow, okay, I need to do this differently. I can't just imagine this to be better. I have to do better. And it led to all these new systems and processes and like ways of being in the world that today I'm still using a lot of that. Um, I, I, it's a really hard place to, to grow from, but it's the place to grow from is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I think there's, uh, I've, I think I envy people who don't need rock bottom to get it, you know, but I needed it. It changed everything. The rebound from that was worth the pain of going through it. So I'm grateful yeah. for it. Um, you know, as part of my mission and my vision, I, I sometimes wish that, uh, I can provide insight or perspective to help people avoid that. But then I, th I wonder if I'm really doing them a service, taking that away, you know, because that served me so well. Maybe you can uh, help them I, get there after three failed businesses. Instead yeah, of three. Years. Just let's stop at three, right? <laughs> like three strikes and we should examine like three things happen to you. You should think about what's your role in it. I, I actually want to roll back the clock a little bit, Bill, because this is like about a decade ago. Um, but what were you like as a kid? Like think about the playground and like your involvement in school and like running for office and just how did you sure show up in the world back then? And you must've been, 
I, I feel like you must have been a kid full of ideas, like what we all could do. I, I imagine you as being that kid. Where were you? I, I totally was. Uh, I was very, I always had ideas. My imagination was extremely powerful, which made me um, very comfortable being alone. I was self-entertaining. I was also incredibly shy as a kid. So even if I had all these ideas, and I was a total nerd back then too. I mean, I had fake eyeglasses on. I had the nerdy insuranceman briefcase. I rummaged through trash cans for important business papers so I could pretend to be a business guy. I pretended to drive old buses like I wanted to be a bus driver. You know, I was I was that kid. I had tons of ideas, overactive imagination, but I wasn't that that social. So I I rarely ran for office. I didn't run for anything until high school, and um, then I started playing sports and started to get kind of cool. But uh, that oh was gosh. A it's so process. you're, I have to think you're like one of the cool people I know. Like, so it's kind of funny to hear this description of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the cool people. I do I'm think of you as a cool right. person. Like I really enjoy you as a person. I think you have a fantastic personality. I mean, I invited you to be a co MC for my virtual book yeah. launch party that, that, that tells you how much I think well of you. Um, and I know you, I know you bring it, you know, I know you, you bring that social energy that, that like glue that helps other people feel seen and, and, and part of something. Thing. And to everything, I've interacted with you in so many different types of settings. So it's so interesting, like the thing about you as the caterpillar before you emerge into yeah. this like butterfly, social butterfly. What was the catalyst? Like, were were there people even back then who really noticed you and and like like nurtured you towards trying for more things? Like by the time you get into high school, like going for sports and and like helping you find your way into into, into the world. Oh, good question. I don't know about that. I think, you know, I grew up being the good kid. You know, I was always the good kid, never did anything wrong. So everybody liked that, you know, grandparents loved it. That's kind of how I got my value from that. So I guess maybe it was a little bit of rebellion. And then I was also, I think, kind of tired of being a nerd in high school. So uh, and I was in small towns and if you wanted to be cool, you just had to play a sport. So I started playing football and my life completely changed. I was still a shy introvert, but I could walk down the hallway and not get bullied or carry a trumpet case or a coronet case through the hallways. So, yeah. And then and you're part of a team. So you also started to have friends. Part of a team and a the the leadership started coming out too you know yeah. uh, they wanted me to be captain and fundraising and um all of those things started to happen and emerge um but it well, that's really, wait, wait. so you're you're a shy introvert but they want you to be captain what what were they seeing in you oh boy good question good question i don't know you know okay so are you familiar with the enneagram um yes but not oh. well enough to describe it so on the Enneagram, like learning the Enneagram really helped me learn who I was and appreciate because um, it kind of ties into this story, too, because I am I lead with the seven on the Enneagram. So I'm the enthusiast. I got millions of ideas and I can get people excited about them. And I think there's a little bit of charisma and fun that comes with that. So I think that even if you're I'm a shy introvert. I have these great connections one on one with people. And then suddenly that's they all get together and they talk and suddenly I've got a, a group um, that I can lead or be a part of. So I think that's kind of, that maybe have something to do with it. You know, I can get people fired up for just about anything. Yeah. I actually want to underscore this because a lot of people 
um, if they themselves identify shy and or introvert, which are different scales, but do interplay uh, quite a bit, that the idea that these one-on-one conversations that you're having, which is where you're thriving, which is a comfort, more comfortable way of interacting than like getting up in front of a room. But I, I was thinking about this because I've been interviewed a lot recently about my new book. And I realized that I've been doing a version of this build an audience before you sell an idea for years. And I remembered back in college, I, I was part of this, you know, this club and we would meet every week. And if I got an idea, I would spend the week talking to people one-on-one and iterating the idea until I had talked to maybe six people. But I would say sort of along the way, oh, I talked to Bill, I talked to Bobby, I talked to Sharon, right? And like, here's what they were thinking. So by the time I got to the meeting that had, you know, a dozen people, half of them had been thinking about what I had said and some of them were really getting bought into it. And we ended up having a much richer discussion and often it led to taking action. Whereas if I had just kept it in my head, it wouldn't have been as good of an idea because I wouldn't have had all that input and no one would have cared because it wasn't their idea. They didn't feel any ownership. So in some ways, like while I am an extrovert, I am very much the outgoing extrovert. I still think that skill of like building a conversation one by one and like getting that buy-in, which to you was the more natural path can lead to people recognizing your leadership qualities. I think it's like you know, because when, when you just say I'm, I'm this like shy, awkward, nerdy kid who joined the football team and now I'm the captain, like it doesn't seem like enough of a through line <laughs> to that story. Um, but, but, it, but it makes sense when you think about like you bring enthusiasm, um, you have great ideas and you're also even then I imagine you had some piece around like living with integrity, like you weren't just going to say things, you were going to do things. Yeah, you know, I think I have to add a caveat to that too, though, because I was, you know, going through my own high school stuff. I didn't know what what I was doing. I didn't know what I wanted. I I resisted what people often pushed me towards. This person, part of my personality trait too. So I I think you know it was. Um, but even as I'm thinking about it, literally as I was doing that, you know, every job I got, I was promoted to to manager or. Huh. Something too. So even in high school, I was on the football team. I was the general manager of a restaurant at the same time. So I don't know. Yeah, there's, they saw something that I had. Yeah. There's something there. I mean, this also goes back to whoever you are, there you are. Like, uh, like you've always been you. Um, You just didn't always have the way of channeling it (laughs) to, to, to the most successful outcomes. Um, And I think that's what you learn later in life. You mentioned, uh, you know, and, and I said this in the intro, you know, you've, you've been building businesses forever. I mean, I had my first business card in high school. My, my cousin got it for me. Um, I was selling bagel sandwiches to my, my classmates. But, um, you know, how did you, did you like always know, was, were there entrepreneurs in your life? Like, how did you know that that was the path for you? And did you start out initially thinking you were going to go into some, a more, you know, a traditional path? I have a lot of uh, pressure to go the traditional path, to go to college, to get a job, uh, and then work it the same for 30 years. You know, I had a grandfather who was a teacher for 30 years. They just really wanted that. But then on the other side, I had a few entrepreneurs. I saw what was possible. Uh, I think uh, the freedom and the flexibility and you know, probably influenced by movies and stuff too. I wanted to be a businessman. I didn't know what that meant. So, and I think that, that um, falsified my image of what a businessman is like, you know, all you see on TV and movies is the guy flying in on his helicopter, 
you know, after 40 years of hard work, maybe uh, paying off at that point, you know, they don't show you that stuff behind the scenes. So that was part of my shock. I'm I imagining you as a kid with the, with a briefcase full of important business papers. It's, and I, now you're like, I want to be that. I want to actually grow up and be that. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to, you know, I took that briefcase to school, which was not good for the social aspect of things, but it really, it got me thinking. I did. I thought differently than the other kids. I thought about um, when I'd hear an idea, I'd be like, how can I start that? How can I do that? I was always open and receptive to reading, learning, figuring things out. Um, And if I had the discipline to apply some of those tactics, I think my life would have looked a lot different than it does now. But I'm just, I'm still, I'm grateful that I had the wherewithal to figure it out at some point because it's not a, that's not a gift that everybody gets. Some people are constantly spinning their wheels right into the grave, and that's the path I thought I was on. So, I uh, this uh, this whole uh, results inventory thing happened over a four day Thanksgiving weekend. So. Thanksgiving weekend, I can, I call it my sacred weekend. It's when life came to a halt on one side and it began on the other side of that weekend. Amazing. Amazing. that you, I love this idea of a results inventory. I think um, rather than us taking um, stock each year about what our, our resolutions are going to be, we'd probably learn more from what, how, what were our results from the previous year. Like rather than promising ourselves a future that's different than the one we have, why don't we start with the the, the life we currently have and like build from there or like adjust or acknowledge or accept responsibility for yeah. or celebrate success, minor, major success. I think we don't, we don't stop. I think we're always like talking about the next thing we want to do, the next thing we want to build. I can, I can very much appreciate uh, your desire to constantly build new things. I, I got off the entrepreneurship track by getting into nonprofit. My, my passion for social justice kind of overcame my desire to make money from it. Um, but all the same skills were put to use in that space. It was just like for a greater good. And my transition back into entrepreneurship, it felt uh, in one way seamless, but I also had this like false sense of like who I could sell to, who my clients were. Like there's so much learning to be done and a lot of like false beliefs about like, well, I have this nonprofit background. I can't do X. And, you know, I, I have to be, I have to have these pedigrees before I can do Y and like, that sort of limit those limiting beliefs that we live with. Um, when you were in school, did you, so you did go to college then Is, like your the pressure happened. You, you followed through and you went to college and then uh, community college and community college. And oh, okay. I have no degree. I have tons of credits because I yeah, love. Did you, in. did you go in having a sense of what you wanted to do or is that where this path of entrepreneurship began? <laughs> um, yes, I have a multiple path. Uh, I was pre-med for a while. I was pre-law. I was business. Uh, I was going to be a phlebotomist for a while. Then, I, I mean, it just showed up wow. there. Yep. I mean, all kinds. I changed my major so many times. Yeah. Incredible. And, you know, now I feel like the work you're doing, like you must have such incredible empathy for people who are struggling to find their way of adding value in the world. Like you could see what they want to create and and understand the struggle they're faced with because of what you've lived through and probably makes you an incredible coach. You know, um, I, I do. In fact, those are my favorite stories. My favorite stories are when people come to me, you know, maybe they were homeless in their car because some other business that they tried failed. And then 
they watch my YouTube videos and it changes their life and it sparks them in a different way. And they see what's possible. I love those stories, but this goes right back to leadership too. And I think one of the, one of the reasons that I have found success in this particular niche is vulnerability. I shared that I failed in business 26 times. I shared that I was contemplating leaving this earth because I felt like a failure. I was terrified of dying as this big ball of potential. And I could just picture people at my funeral thinking, well, Bill had such great ideas. He was really fun, but nothing ever really worked out for him. Like that was a nightmare for me. That's part of what that sacred weekend was. So sharing that has drawn, like, I have never paid for advertising, right? And I'm not necessarily bragging about that because I probably could do bigger things if I did, but I've never paid for advertising. The, the advertising, the people who are drawn are drawn to that story. I think they can relate. And it has resulted in this incredibly loving and supportive community that we have uh, as notaries of all things. I'm coming together. People have tried multiple things. They found value in this business that has the power to change other lives. So this has been truly the most unexpected gift I've ever experienced. How did you first learn about notary as a, as a possible um, career path? Uh, well, as a possible career path is different. So I remember learning, uh, I was probably 10 or 11 years old about notaries because I think my grandfather had a stamp and I would just, it was the embosser stamp. So I was just embossing papers everywhere because that was the coolest thing, you know, this nerd heaven. Um, but as a business opportunity, you know, as my businesses were tanking, I had like five or six little side hustles or what I thought were really big ideas. None of them were making money. I was struggling. I couldn't pay myself. In any of them, and this family friend, she was an escrow officer. And she's like, look, just get your notary commission and I can pay you $150 per appointment. I'm like, uh, sign me up. In Arizona, it's so easy to be a notary. So, I mean, within a week, I had everything I needed. And she kind of taught me how to do it. I saw the opportunity. I'm like, I don't have a college degree and you want to pay me $150 an hour, I'm in. So, I just jumped right in. I didn't totally honor the business. In fact, I totally disrespected the business and some of the relationships. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, I burned some bridges. I treated this business like an ATM machine. And I think when you do that, people feel used. So uh, I learned some really hard lessons, which is why I, I coach the way I do, because uh, that's not sustainable. You might get, I might, I got 150 bucks. But that person walks away from the transaction feeling used or like, I just want to be their friend because I want business from them. Then it doesn't pan out for anybody. So it's a lose-lose. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I this is all really amazing because of course I only know you at this end of the story. Um, you know, we're, this is why I love having a show like this because you and I could talk every few months for like months and years and years. And like, I wouldn't know this stuff about you. So I, and I, and I think it helps everyone listening, like really relate, like that they they can take everything they've experienced and turn that into an asset. You know, all the struggles can become a really powerful tool to helping other people, not just because of the empathy you have, but because you, you actually can help them, you know, avoid some of the major potholes <laughs> that might be like disruptive. Um, and, and of course, everyone has to learn these lessons 
um, themselves. But I want to talk a little bit about the relationship aspect of this, because I do think of you as a person who's really good at that. And, I, and part of it's because I feel like you attract good people. Um, the word genuine and authenticity are like so overused that it doesn't seem like it, it fits the occasion. But you, you are truth, a truth teller about what you've experienced. I think people really honor and respect that. And you also are a giver. You, you share what you know. I met you because initially the, well, oh, you reminded me. It was actually through the, uh, the books, book writing group. Um, self-publishing school, yeah. Yeah, self-publishing school. And I actually didn't remember that. And that, I'm, I'm so grateful because it's like, you never know like who you're going to sort of bring from different aspects of your world. So I did that back in 2017 in order to write my first book. But then we, you had me on your show to talk about networking and you brought me into a community group. Then I met you through the notary symposium and Laura. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, we just sort of keep crossing paths. Many years would pass in between. But I think like what you're doing, and particularly I love this, this idea around the Side Hustle Lounge, your podcast, because um, the world of notaries, I have to sort of say this because I think people who don't know notaries like wouldn't know this. Notaries are fun people. Like I would not, uh, I had such a bias in my mind that I wasn't even aware of. I would have thought them as being like, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's, super like straight laced and like very, you know, proper because it's such an important thing they're doing. There's, they've got to be like the ones who are like holding the line on like integrity for this interaction. And yet like, to be part of these community uh, events that you and Laura do. And they're just so fun. And I feel like the ones who understand, like you just said, like how this can change people's lives, like really get so into it that they want it to be more than just a transaction. I think your side hustle lounge then must be very attractive to them because they're starting to think of themselves as a business owner, not as a simple service provider, but like as a business owner. And they start thinking, well, what else could I do? What else could I do? Sort of how you transition from simply being a notary for, you know, a one transaction at a time to building a business that led to a coaching practice. So how do you, how do you help people realize that for themselves? How do you help them nurture that path from, you know, I'm a guy who got a notary stamp and now I can go and do one thing at a time. It's a cash cow to I'm a business owner and like, I should take some responsibility and ownership about how this works. Yeah. Well, good question. I think, um, it starts with um, just driving home the possibility and the awareness that this work matters. You know, I think it's even on a state level, state by state, it uh, being a notary public, it's um, downplayed a lot because you only know, spend $35, you become a notary and everybody and their mother can become a notary and it's a piece of cake, right? You don't have to take classes in a lot of states. It's, it's too easy. So the bar is really low. So people get into it and they just, they're, they're not excited by it. So you got to expand that, expand the horizons, show what's possible, show what it means and the impact that this work can have on a life. You know, when somebody's on their deathbed or when somebody's planning um, their estate uh, and they want to leave wealth to their families, you know, you've, you got to do the work right. So 20 years down the road, when something tragic happens, their families are set up the way that they wish them to be. Um, so painting the picture like that and really just um, sitting with that is probably one of the first steps. And then the other is to, I, again, this is the lead by example thing, you know, nail it and scale it, figure out how to do this work 
like an expert. And then expand your horizons. Maybe it's adding additional values or revenue streams within your business. Maybe it's shining a light backwards or behind you so the notaries behind you can learn from you. So maybe you do start a YouTube channel. This is exactly what I did, right? I found a way to make several hundred thousand dollars a year as a mobile notary and loan signing agent. Blew my mind, but I systemized it. I love how you talk about systems. I figured out systems that made me very efficient and very fun at this work. And then I started talking about it on YouTube. Then I got a thousand subscribers on YouTube and I built an online course. And then I got, you know, four or 500 students in my online course. And then I published a book. And then I started creating other courses and then I published another book. And that's just kind of how it went. I nailed it first though. I think the nailing part gets skipped. I think, and maybe Robbie, you can even speak to this. Sometimes the, uh, the term expert gets thrown around just as much as authentic does these days. And people forget that reading a book or going through a certain period of time, like we run into this in our notary community, uh, people became a notary last year. Business was so good. So they start teaching. But what about the dips and the cycles and everything else that happens in over a term of 10 years in this business? Can you speak or teach to that? That's where you start to nail it. So you got to nail that part first before you scale it. If you scale it too soon, I have found or I have seen uh, results that are less than stellar. You know, yeah. things, things crumble. Yeah, I really like this because um, it's the the nailing it is really about um, the the experience that you have the the like a, able to speak to a variety of of what might happen because you've seen it, you've experienced it, you've lived through it, um, or you've worked with people who've done that. And so I think that people often just get a great idea, much like you used to, <laughs> and immediately want to like build it. But what you just said was. You did something, you systematized it, you had great success. The YouTube channel was almost just like you being generous to your community. Um, it was like, let me give back. And I love that. I've really practiced that philosophy of abundance myself, like giving away knowledge doesn't deplete me. It, it creates value and possibility within my world. And that to me becomes a benefit to me as well. And then once you had a core group of, of followers and fans and people who are really like craving your knowledge, then you were like, well, let's test this out as a, you know, as a course, too many people skip any number of those steps. <laughs> like, like they make $50,000 and they're like, this is amazing money. And they start teaching it, <laughs> you know? And like, they didn't, they didn't amass a following. They haven't built a, a lot of content or know-how. Um, and people are like, who are you? You know, <laughs> so I, it is very interesting how we um, how we have to sort of shift our focus sometimes and do the work. I, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about how you think about networking as it relates to some of this. Um, before I actually ask you that question, though, who is the Side Hustle Lounge podcast for? I want to I never really hear you talking about it. So so I'd love you to name who identifies as, as the ideal person for that kind of show. And then I'm going to ask you about networking. Yeah, great question. So I think the uh, the Side Hustle Lounge podcast is perfect for those who have this calling inside that there's something else for them out there. I don't think it's, I mean, although it can be for people who just want an extra source of income or revenue, it's more geared towards that, uh, I think, the person who feels trapped in one 
in one job, in one business, you know, whatever it might be, and knows that there's something more that they want to try. They want to diversify their income streams a little bit, but they want to have some more fun. They want to create something. And what's really powerful about the podcast is we talk about not just opportunities, that's huge, but there's more to it. We get to talk about the mindset behind it. Uh, what's it take to succeed? And then my favorite part is what you do with your return on investment. Like what happens when you do succeed and you are having fun, you get adventure in relationships. Yeah, that's great. And I love being on your show. So thank you. We'll put the link in the show notes for this so people can find us there having a different conversation. So, um, so thinking of networking, you have your sort of innermost circle of, of friends and family, um, people that you, you don't have to think about it. You know, you're going to stay in touch, but then there's, I was thinking sort of like the second and the third layer out, the people you, you see every year at a conference. Um, the people that you worked with five years ago, but you haven't had a reason to work with recently. But these are people you like. That's very, I want to underscore that. These are the people you like in your network. How do you think about staying in touch and, and sort of top of mind? How do you nurture those kinds of connections? Do you have any habits, philosophies, or, or practices? Oh, yeah. I love this. Uh, this was a game changer. And I think it's probably one of the reasons that um, uh, my business did blow up the way that it did is this uh, habit of staying in touch and keeping yourself top of mind. Um, so in the, before I even go into it, I just, I, I feel like I got to say what we're going to talk about. People oftentimes roll their eyes or they, it's, they get overwhelmed by it, or they already know they're supposed to be doing this and they're not. And I think um, it's real important to sidestep the shame cycle that comes with this stuff. A lot of times, and you know, we were talking, you said something earlier that triggered this because none of this is earth shattering, groundbreaking, brand new news, right? We know that we're supposed to do this. We know that even, even if we're not business people, we know that staying in touch with the people we love and care about is a good thing to do. We, it just gets, we get busy or, you know, we've got tons of reasons that we don't do this. And then we put ourselves into these shame cycles that makes us avoid doing it even more. Cause we're like, well, how do we come back? And I haven't talked to them in two years. And then if I just do a text message, that's going to be weird, you know? And then you just like, like you said earlier, you build a silo around yourself. So you don't do anything. And I think it's really important to just halt, get off the, the shame train, right? So the, uh, the methodology that I use is I always have a list of people that I like and I want to stay in touch with. Now, it started with a legal pad. I know you can't see it right now, but I am surrounded by legal pads um, because I like to handwrite stuff. So I'll have lists of people that I want to stay in touch with. And then I made a habit of every single day, reaching out to at least one person. Now, when I went full bore on my business, I reached out to 10 people. That, that's the activity it took. I knew it was going to take to make relationships that would change my business. But now I just do one, one person a day. And I just reach out and I say, hey, thinking about you, got time to chat. You know, maybe it's a business um, relationship. Maybe it's a personal relationship. I think you got to sprinkle it in a little bit because uh, if you do all business, uh, it, it, it'll tap you out and drain your energy a little bit. Uh, and then I, we set up a conversation and I just ask them what's going, what's going on. I just want to catch up. What's new. 
You want to meet for coffee? You want to have a phone call? Do we want to do a Zoom? You know, whatever it is, and see if there's any opportunity for me to support them in their business. And one of my favorite questions is, what can I do to support you right now? And that just, uh, it changes the energy of the conversation. A lot of times people don't know how to answer that question. That's one thing I've learned. They don't know what support they need, but it just, it triggers an awesome conversation. And sometimes I get to talk about business, sometimes not. Sometimes we're just shooting the breeze. About how many of these uh, coffee chat, Zoom call, phone calls do you think you're having uh, a week, a month? I would say it's probably a significant amount right now, at least one 15 minute call a day, at least. And then sometimes, and one of my favorite activities, you know, COVID really threw a, a wrench in this, but one of my favorite things to do is uh, a stacked networking. It's called stacked networking, but I don't like the word networking, but I would stack appointments and I'd work from my favorite uh, bookstore. It's changing hands in downtown Phoenix. And I'd just be working there. And then I would reach out to people throughout the week or whenever it was, Hey, I'm working out of changing hands on Wednesday. You want to meet for coffee and schedule those every half hour, 45 minutes or an hour, whoever, depending on who it was. And they would show up and I'd be able to introduce. Sometimes there's some crossover and layover. Uh, so they get to meet each other. I have to, I have to just interject to tell you, this is one of my favorite things I ever learned from this show. And you're only the second person to bring it up. And the first person was in my first year, um, episode 30 something. I, I, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes, Stephanie Chung. And she actually um, was a high-end ticket closer. So she was dealing with people of great wealth and she would meet at the fancy restaurant at the fancy hotel downtown because they had great ambiance and great service. And she would stack from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. Wow. <laughs> and just be there and like, just, you know, it was like coffee, co coffee, breakfast, coffee, coffee, lunch, coffee, coffee, dinner, coffee, drinks. Love it. <laughs> like, and just, just had people come through and she did it once a month and it was just, and I was like, so smart if you have a local base to do that. I mean, I feel like there are times where that feels like what my Zoom life feels like now because <laughs> you're not having to commute everywhere. You literally are planted in one place just going from call to call. But I think there's an intentionality I want to underscore about what you're saying. Um, there's another person uh, that, you know, uh, Chandler Bolt, actually, when I interviewed him, he he didn't even remark on this as a tactic. He just mentioned it. And I was like, don't you think that would be the reason why you got some success? He wrote a thank you note every day for a year. Um, like just as a practice, wrote, wrote thank you notes to people he admired, he did not know. And they in turn sent him business books and set him up with introductions. And like, just, just that his willingness to say like, I, this is what I really appreciate with what you do in the world. This is what I'm trying to do, which is why it's so important to me to like learn from people like you. And like, one by one, like people kept reaching back out to him. And it's like, you were like, okay, so right now I'm just reaching out to like one person a day. But when I got started doing this for serious, I was doing 10 a day. And even right now, and you were like scaled down version, you're doing a 15 minute call a day. I, I'm actually, I, my question is, how do you do 15 minutes? I like to talk too much for 15 minutes to be effective. So what is, what is, what is your 15 minute? Let's just break this down. What does your 15 minute call actually consist of? 
Well, it depends on the person, but um, uh, the personal calls, personal calls are really easy for me to be short for some reason. It's the, uh, it's the business calls that, you know, especially if there's a new idea, if there's something new and exciting going, it oftentimes will run over. But I also uh, set expectations in the beginning to, um, you know, hey, I've got 15 minutes. You want to catch up? I'd love to hear what's going on. Or if, they're, if it's in person, those inevitably go. Uh, significantly further, obviously. So yeah, um, it's it starts out with a greeting. It's usually fun. What's going on? What's new? And we that almost all I would say, especially on the personal ones, it's going to end up being a hey, let's schedule some time and get together. You know, we miss each other, something like that. So we're we're taking we're cutting it short, but we're setting up some time for something longer later. Yeah, I like that. I think that. Um... The touch base of 15 minutes is a lower threshold of a request. And if there's a true connection, then you can use that to parlay to a, um, why don't we co-host a dinner next month? Why don't we um, get some people together on Zoom next month? Why don't you, you know, I'd love to do something longer next month, like like all that. But um, it might feel like a lot to initially ask someone to like schedule an hour in their, in their, in their calendar when you haven't talked in a while. So it'd be much easier to like do a check-in almost like, Hey, what's going on? Um, I I love this. It sort of lowers the bar of expectations around time commitment, but it still allows you to nurture these connections. And you're, I mean, the fact that you have sort of a daily habit um, clearly makes a difference in the long run for your business. That's the, that's made all the difference. And I think that's really the key. And I love that Chandler um, uh, talked about sending the letter because that's the second part of this thing. You know, I fall off of this train all the time, but um, sending out a thank you card or a nice to meet you card or uh, some type of handwritten note uh, has made all the difference in my personal life and my business. Like if there was one strategy that changed everything, I would say it's this. So I do that. I do only one, one card a day these days, but I was doing 10 uh, when I was in full bore. I, I wanted to connect. I wanted, I, that was just the scaled up version of it. Uh, and then the other huge part of this, like if you're going to start reaching out, I truly believe that we are surrounded by people who love and support us. They just oftentimes don't know how. But when you start reaching out and connecting, um, even on the personal level, in fact, for me, it was even more on the personal level than the business. And the business was amazing. But people start coming into your orbit. You start connecting. They start reaching out to you as well. And you want to be a resource to your network. So if you, I had one tip, it's make a referral list of all the, all the people, businesses, and stuff that you love in your community, uh, like your favorite real estate agent, your favorite breakfast burrito, your favorite uh, shoe store, whatever it is, and have that front and center on your mind. So when you start hearing, you know, you're, maybe they're liking you on Facebook, you start to, because the algorithm, and you'll start to see more stuff or Instagram or they're just in conversation, they're talking about a, their need for a new PCP or a doctor, you know, you have your list. You're like, oh my gosh, my doctor's this. Be a resource, that changes everything too. Yeah, it's also something that we all can do. We all have our favorite things and that's, and you can always offer that your favorite app. Oh, I know something that could make your life so much better. Here's an app, let me show you to use it. I actually have a favorite things page on my resource section of my website. Nice. Um, so it's all the people I've worked with in my business, 
everything from like the tools that I've used, the the accountants that I use, my ADP contact. Like, like if I like somebody and I've had a good experience, it's like goes on there so that when I have to find their content info and make the referral, I know where to find it, but I can also just send the entire page to someone just be like, Hey, here's, here's all the people I work with for my book launch, for instance, like, Oh, you want to replicate this? Well, here's my editor and here's the book layout person. And here's the cover design. Like, boom, right? Like to me, good people deserve that. Um, I've actually, my greatest disappointment in business is when I've hired someone and it hasn't worked out, not just because it hasn't worked out, but because I really wanted to find a person I could refer because <laughs> I know other people who need this. And so I'm always like, bummer. <laughs> I, I always feel I so disappointed. I'm like, man, what a letdown. You have so much potential. <laughs> I, I want to share you with the world, but I can't. I can't. You know? I'm sorry. <laughs> So um, you and I are absolutely going to continue to stay in touch. This is my wrap up question, though. A year from now, if I'm like, whoa, Bill, at the end of last year, you and I did that interview. I want to know, like, what should we be celebrating from this past year? You know, what, what, are, what are we toasting? In other words, what are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, some big things. I'm uh, Hopefully we'll be celebrating uh, the publication of the third and the fourth book. Uh, one notary book, one non-notary book, and I'll be well into the fifth one, hopefully. And then also, uh, we're launching the Notary Business Builder Advanced Notary Mastermind. So we'll be celebrating uh, the amazing impact that um, we have there. And then hopefully, we'll be celebrating with some, maybe in a different country. I am ready uh, to get international travel um, back to back to the uh the plan, I guess. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. All of that sounds like things worth celebrating and I can't wait to celebrate them with you. And your your books have been fantastic. Um, I can't wait to hear like what these new ones are gonna be about and how I can support you on them. And I, I actually just did a book launch debrief masterclass to, as an appreciation for my, my launch team. And we're gonna be putting that out as a replay. So we'll put the link in the show notes so people know how to find that if people are also interested in getting their own books out there like Bill and I have done. Bill, this is a fun conversation. How can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, thank you. This has been great, Robbie. I really appreciate the opportunity. I love your energy and where we're going. And anybody who'd like to connect with me, there's a couple different ways. You can always find me at notarycoach.com, but also at the sidehustlelounge.com too, if you want to dial into the um, podcast and I'm all over the Instagram. You can, I'm at, at Bill Soroka on Instagram. And I know you have the links for that too, Robbie. So I'm sure people can track me down. Brilliant. We will have all those links in the show notes at onthechmooze.com. Bill, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bill. What is your key takeaway from that conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share it resonate with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 266. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. 
I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.